G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 20 Preview and we are here as we are indeed every week for our podcast partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, very good morning to my Footyology Podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw, how are you, Shuri? Good morning, Rowan. Good morning, listeners. And uh, looking forward to this round. This is going to be excellent, starting uh, with the Dockers and the and the Demons on Friday night in Perth. Well, they're all uh, getting significant now, aren't they? Last round, obviously, very significant. Uh, four rounds remaining. We know how tight the race at the top of the ladder is, seven teams. Uh, all within two games of each other. And then uh, another five jousting for eight spot with three different match point uh, totals now. Um, actually, just a, a quick one uh, without yeah. notice because uh, I, I won't uh, – it's so tedious. But how sick are you of this inter- infernal debate about uh, getting rid of a draw every time we have a draw? No, a draw is a result. Yes, it's a result, yes. and, and there's no debate. Oh, well, there is debate because people make it that way. But you, on, on, on Saturday afternoon, you play a game of football and you will win, you will lose, or you will draw, and you've yep. got an option, generally depending on how you play. So I'm, I'm delighted that there was a result in that game, and uh, because of circumstances, both teams uh, split the two and took split the four points and took two points home. So it'll either be very significant for Richmond to grab those two points, or it may in fact cost them. And isn't that a good thing? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. It's a very different uh, uh, and unique part of the AFL landscape. We have about one or two out of two hundred. If people can't cope with that and lose their tiny minds over it, uh, we can't help them. So thank you for summing up my position very succinctly. We don't have to cover that off in news now. We've got plenty of news to talk about, so uh, let's do it. On Footyology, News Feed. All right, well, I didn't think we'd be still talking about this four weeks later. In fact, I'm quite bemused about why we are, but people are, so I guess we have to again... It is the Jack Ginnivan saga or soap opera or whatever, and uh, uh, none other than official AFL legend Lee Matthews has weighed into it now. He said on uh, 3AW on Tuesday that he felt sick and disturbed when he saw Ginnivan not paid that free kick on Sunday for that, uh, well, decapitation by Essendon's Mason Redman. He said... Uh, it was. Uh, it's been a free kick for the last 100 years. The fabric of the game is being attacked. I couldn't sleep Sunday night thinking about it. It's the symbolism of it that just disturbs me. Asked how he felt when he saw the incident, he said, I felt sick. 
I felt sick because of the fabric of our game. Um, one, the fabric of the game is umpires treating every player the same. That was virtually not only a high-contact headlock, it was bordering on unduly rough play. And the best umpire in the game, Matt Stevick, didn't blow the whistle. And when I say they, I mean, uh, he said, what are they doing to our game? When I say they, I mean the AFL Commission, who are the only body who can actually change rules, and Gil McLaughlin and his cohort of advisors that are making the game easier for the tackler and harder for the bloke with the ball. Um, I've got to say, like, he's known for his level-headedness, Lee Matthews. So when he gets upset about something, you know it's a, a big deal. What was your reaction to his comments? Surprised at his comments, not the content or the theme, but you've summed it up. We, we've played against Lee. We've known him in different roles throughout uh, uh, the last 40 years or something. And one thing you would say about um, emotionless, pragmatic, sensible, um, the words that Lee has used, I've never heard really come from he, his mouth. In 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 principle, I'm 100% in agreements with it. Um I didn't like the fact that the AFL once again just had that little clip, little driveway clip that the uh, the young bloke uh, contributed to it. I, I've got a point, and and the point is, if you're going to change direction or you're going to change, uh, put your weight from one foot to the other, um, you're gonna your height's gonna vary. It's gonna go up or it's gonna go down. But the fact is, Rowan, if in isolation, forget about that, every day, as Lee said, every day of the week for 100 years, uh, it's a head-high tackle. It's rewarded with a free kick. It was a dangerous piece of play. And as I said on Twitter, in my looking at the stills, um, uh, Mason had his eyes high, so he tackled high. And technique is about where you look. And if you look, you'll tackle the arms, you'll tackle the elbows, you'll tackle the hips. So it was poor technique and at, uh, we don't pay it on what's happened in the past, you don't pay it what's going to in the future and you don't pay it what's in the papers during the week. You pay the free kick on the day. Um, yeah, well, but uh, I, I guess an important question here is do we think it wasn't paid specifically because it was Ginevan or was Stevic just subconsciously thinking about the issue rather than him seeing Ginevan? Because I, I I know it's an, I understand people saying it was definitely because it was Ginevan, but I, I think, and I do think this is an issue. I think the AFL has inadvertently bought into the whole thing by continually releasing statements and updates on, on their position on, the high tackle. It's sort of like, uh, and I looked this up yesterday because I, I wrote a column about this. They stated the change in interpretation on this rule in mid-January, right? Now, when it, it, it was it was announced along with a couple of other changes of interpretation, it got bugger all publicity because it was the middle of January and it was cricket season and the tennis was on and blah, blah, blah. So what happens is it's it they start doing it and the season started and nothing really happened, did it? And then it got to about round, what, four or five with Ginnivan and it became an issue. And then it built up, it built up, and then the AFL thinks we have to respond, we have to respond. And then because they respond, people who don't do their homework and research come out and say, oh, look, they're, they're changing things mid-stride. Well, they haven't. 
They haven't altered anything since January. Now, I think they've made a, this is two different stories here, really, but I think they've made a big mistake by continually feeling the need to come out and answer the media hullabaloo. Like, we're, we're part of the media. We know the media, there's so much of it. There's this incessant need to create content and, and talking points and drama and controversy. People will happily keep this going for months if the parties involved allow that to happen by continually responding. I, I just, I don't know, I, I can't, it's the AFL once upon a time would have just shut up. I don't know why they feel and maybe they're happy for this debate to continue because it keeps them in the news. But I just think it's, in this case, it's not doing them much good. Well, they have adjusted some of the uh, uh, the decisions they have made this year, haven't they, based on the uh, the entry into the protected zone? They've they have, but, no, but, but not, not since what they said in January. That's my point. Oh, no, yeah. Nothing's changed since January. Now, to answer your question, I think uh, Matt's, it's more Matt Stevick, not um, than it is uh, uh, Genevan. Uh, Matt Stevick, that that split second to make a decision and even an element of confusion. What, what what do I have to do in this situation? And he had to make that in a split second. So you, you gave two examples, didn't it? Was it more Matt Stevick's confusion or was it because it was Ginevan? I'm thinking it's more about the theme that you just talked about, um, the, the pressure build up on umpires. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I mean, Ginevan obviously has become the poster boy for this issue. Um, but, but again, I said, getting back to what I said before, I still think, you know, this isn't damaging the game. I, I think if you're talking about one tackle in one game of nine games a week, you know, we didn't see that scenario repeated in any other games that I can think of at the weekend. It's not, you know, it's not a crisis here. And, you know, that's my point here. The AFL needs to stop, you know, seeing the headlines and going, oh, no, now we've got to respond to Lee Matthews cracking the sads, you know. like yeah, It was just going disappearing. And then Lee's come up on his show um, on Tuesday. Yeah. And so, away we go again. Well, and now I we're doing it. <laughs> we, oh, well, yeah, we are. We're guilty. Can we change the subject? Yeah, I think we should. Uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, round 23 because finally – uh, the floating fixtures, which we're not going to have, fortunately, next year uh, until the last few rounds, uh, we they have uh, floated the last round and uh, the draw for round 23 sees some big games, obviously, but uh, Brisbane-Melbourne, which clearly looks like a top four battle, that will be on the Friday evening. Um, the other game with the biggest consequences for the top eight, well, there's two on the Sunday, Carlton Collingwood, which is just massive. Uh, and that could be for the final spot in that top four. How good would that be if it was a playoff between the two of them for it? That is at 3.20 p.m. at the MCG on Sunday afternoon. And uh, the other one potentially at this stage with ramifications for the eight, St Kilda taking on Sydney at Marvel Stadium, 4.40pm on the Sunday afternoon. Now, people will rightly say, well, why is Carlton Collingwood on the Sunday afternoon, not the Friday night? Uh, well, you jumped in. I was going to be, that was going oh, to be me, mate. Well, go on. You, like, you, you no, you keep it. going. No, no. I was going no. to ask you. 
Oh, you were going to ask. I thought you were going to tell us. No, no. I I actually don't know. Um, Okay, well, I'm I'm assuming it's because Collingwood play in round 22 on Sunday afternoon against Sydney. So uh, both Sydney and Collingwood, uh, you know, in terms of finals preparation, need that um, seven-day break. So that would be my take on it. But that would mean it. That would mean also that uh, if um, the Pies or Blues end up with that top four spot, that qualifying final um, would be on a Sunday. Although, actually, that's predicated on whether we have a pre-finals buy. And right off the top of my head, I'm actually not sure about that. We need to check that out, don't we? All right, uh, let's keep moving and let's talk about uh, a great story, a good news story, and that is Two very big milestones this weekend. One of them is the 300th game for Richmond's Shane Edwards and the other one, 350 for Geelong captain Joel Selwood, who also happens at the same time um, to play his 300th game alongside Tom Hawkins. What an incredible milestone. So Selwood is 34 now, first Geelong player to get to 350, the 21st player to do so in the history of the AFL. Uh, Shane Edwards, a great picture. In fact, great story on the Footyology website today written by Tom Thomas about Shane Edwards and his emergence uh, very quietly into one of Richmond's greats, um, but a really good picture with that story too of uh, all Richmond's 300 game players or surviving ones, Kevin Bartlett, uh, now Shane Edwards, Francis Burke and Jack Rewalt photo of them in front of the statue of the late great Jack Dyer, who was the fifth member of that exclusive club. But uh, well, we use this phrase a lot and it's a bit of a cliche, but fair to call both these guys ornaments to the game, Robert. And in different ways, um, Edwards slightly under the radar. If you can be a under the radar uh, three hundred gamer, but w- what a consistent performer, a remarkably consistent performer. Um, we've seen and a and a premiership player, a big occasion player, without the fanfare, low key, unassuming, uh, a, a humble a humble champion. On the other side, not that uh, Hawkins and uh, Selwood aren't, but what stuck out to me, do you reckon they know each other's games pretty well, Hawkins and Selwood, Rowan? I reckon they would, yeah. <laughs> 300 games. Look, it'd be, it'd be nice to know the, uh, you know, I'm thinking some of the partnerships, but Selwood-Hawkins for 300 games is extraordinary. That's, that's fantastic. Well, the amazing thing about Selwood is, you you know, he was doing it right from day one. I mean, he came into that side in 2007, uh, impeccable timing coinciding with their rise to greatness. But he was a, a key player for Geelong in that 2007 push to the premiership, and he's been a key player for them ever since. So um, 16 seasons now, and his levels are so consistent you know there's not many um you know uh peaks and troughs in his performance graph these days uh they're not as reliant on him now which is a a blessing for him and he deserves a bit of a chop out after 
carrying that midfield load for so long. But, you know, in this day and age, to do it for that long, it is quite remarkable. Um, and that he's the 21st player in the history of the game to do it tells you plenty, really, doesn't it? Uh, Shane Edwards, too, uh, just importantly, he becomes just the eighth Indigenous player uh, in VFL AFL history to reach 300 games. That club also consists of Gavin Wangadine, Michael O'Loughlin, Andrew McLeod, Adam Goods, Sean Burgoyne, Eddie Betts, and Lance Franklin. So, wow, that's pretty exclusive company, isn't it? But um, even looking at those other names, uh, he has been so quiet in how he goes about it, hasn't he? Look, he obviously doesn't, you know, he's not very outspoken and he doesn't crave media or whatever, but um, he has just quietly become one of their great players. I guess the other big uh, comment on him too is that uh, he's a great big occasion player or has been a great big occasion player for them. He polled in uh, Norm Smith vote, voting in the 2017 and 2020 grand finals, wow. and he was also among their best in their um, thrashing of GWS in the 2019 grand final. So he's always performed when it's mattered most for them, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, the, the Norm Smith medal was a cross-section of media personalities and experts and past players. So um, to poll in two grand finals in a Norm Smith medal, which is what, uh, 5 4 3 2 one, Rowan? Have you ever done that, mate? Uh, yeah, I've done it yeah. twice. I did it in um, yep. 1995 when Greg Williams won it and right. I did it, did it in 2006 when Andrew Embley won it. Okay. Uh, yeah, three, two, one. Uh, it oh, is three, two, one. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> is that it? You, anything else you want to say there? No, no. That's a that's a great wrap. Couple of great stories there. All right. Uh, there's enough news for us. We've got nine games to preview in detail. Let's get into it. On Footyology previews with Punch. Round 20 kicks off in Perth at Optus Stadium, 8.10pm Eastern Standard Time, 6.10pm local time, with a huge clash between Fremantle and Melbourne. Uh, Our wonderful podcast partners, Palmavet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly, of course. They have the visitors as favourite. So uh, that's significant in itself. Haven't been in great form of demons, but still uh, plenty of credibility. Paying $1.80 head-to-head is Melbourne and Fremantle, Palmerbet offering $2 on the Dockers. Uh, Melbourne, they've gone 3-2 over the last five games. Fremantle, 1-2, lost two, drawn one. Um, Melbourne v Fremantle, last five meetings, uh, three and two but did lose the last one, that round 11 clash at the MCG, which was uh, sort of the start of the Demons' uh, rough period and uh, a big tick for the Dockers that night. They won by 38 points. Melbourne's form at Optus Stadium, pretty good. They've won their last four there, including last year's grand final. Interestingly, they have never played Fremantle there before. They have played either West Coast or uh, other sides, uh, thanks to the COVID measures. So uh, there's a bit of history for you. How are you seeing this one, Robert? Well, you've ruled out the home ground advantage quite correctly, Ron, because they've won a grand final there. Um, Freo are close to full strength. Last week they got the important Alex Pierce back, and um, 
it's an interesting matchup because I've been really impressed with uh, Wiedemann. My feeling is that he's gone ahead of the now somewhat injury-prone Brown and Melbourne are very, very highly uh, reliant on Bailey Fritch as a um, consistent goal kicker. But I like Wiedemann. I like his leading and he's a very, very accurate kick. So I'd go with him. Also, up the other end of the forward line, uh, Fremantle looked like getting Rory Lobb back into that side. Now, he's going to create some problems because of his relationship and his combination with Tabena, but also he will give uh, Darcy a good chop out against Gorn and um, uh, Luke Jackson. Well, the the big concern for me with Melbourne here is that they are struggling up forward at the moment. Now, I think Sam Wiedemann helps, but they got outgunned by the Bulldogs. And Frio is such a good team defensively, aren't they? Um, in fact, the best defensive team statistically at the moment, Melbourne, it should be said, number two defensively. So Frio's attack's got its own issues. But uh, are the Demons going to be able to score in the way that um, we've become used to them scoring against the side so defensively strong? Well, I think that, uh, well, the question is, can... I think this is a lot about Melbourne. I think Fremantle are going to play very well. They're going to be quick. They'll probably even look at bringing back Nathan Wilson. He's been out of form and has gone back to the waffle. But he's very, he's he's a speedster off half-back if they can get that uh, combination in there. Um, the defence of Melbourne, that, that can stand up because they're going to get Lever back. He'll probably come in for maybe Tomlinson uh, as a straight swap. And that'll give you the May Lever versus Lob Tamina matchup, which will probably decide the game. I think Fremantle are going to play really, really well. I'm not sure about Melbourne. Are they? They're ten percent off what they looked like last year, aren't they? They're lacking somewhat synergy, some connection, that enormous team and defense, defensive ethic, work ethic they had last year. So going on all those things that we've discussed, Rowan, I uh, I think the favouritism for me favours Fremantle in a close game, probably by a couple of goals. So I'm going to go with my famous 11 points again, Fremantle. Uh, what about, I just want to ask you quickly about Nat yeah. Fife. Uh, his absence doesn't He's, make the difference for you? No, I think they've covered, well, haven't they covered him all year, Rowan? Yeah, no, true. And, and he's Fair a point. bit of a bonus player now. We saw him a couple of weeks ago start in the forward line and had four touches. Uh, he's not the player he was. And now uh, uh, that's why I raised the question of they'll add some pace there with probably Nathan Wilson coming into that side, who's a very good halfback flank, even though he lost form. So I'm saying they've covered him all year. Um, they've got a bit, <laughs> but but against Melbourne, it might be a different story. But no, I'm not changing my tip because Nate Fife's out. All right. Well, we're going to differ on this one because I, I think Melbourne has gone to Perth and won some really significant victories in the past, even going back to, you know, 2018. I remember them doing this. And I reckon their late season surge begins right here. Um, massive game for them in terms of top of the ladder and, Top four, and uh, I think they're good enough to get over the line. I don't think they're far off against the Bulldogs at all. The Bulldogs had to play exceptionally well to beat them and only beat
beat them by a kick and a half in the end. I think Melbourne wins this one. I'm going for Melbourne by 10 points in what should be a cracking contest. All right, let's move to Saturday. Saturday afternoon at the MCG, 145 has Collingwood pitted against Port Adelaide. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And the Magpies, who have uh, won nine games in a row now, what a winning run it's been. Of course, uh, famously, uh, what is it, seven of eight victories this year, coming by 11 points or less. Unbelievable. Uh, the Pies are favourites in head-to-head betting, as you'd expect, paying $1.65. Port Adelaide, thanks to Palmer Bet, head-to-head, paying $2.25. Uh, their last six game uh, victories, Collingwood, have been by a total of 29 points. Uh, they're fourth on the ladder. Massive stakes for them if they keep winning top four. Who would have predicted that at the top of the at the start of the year? No one. Uh, Port Adelaide are in eleventh spot. Finals hopes receding. They are two games outside the eight now, and they've lost three of their last four. However, it should be said those losses to all to quality teams: Fremantle, Melbourne and Geelong, all of whom they pushed pretty hard. So their form hasn't been terrible. Unfortunately, it hasn't been winning form. Uh, Port's got a really good record against the Pies, which is interesting. They've won seven of the last nine against Collingwood and beat them last time they played, which was at Marvel Stadium in round 19 last year. Also beat them at the MCG last year by a point. Uh, how to Port Fair at the MCG, and better than some non-Victorian sides. They're five and five there in their last 10 appearances. Both games that they've played at the G this year, though, they have lost to Carlton and Richmond. Not by a lot, however. Do you give them any show here at all, the power, Robert? Well, I give them a big show, but I uh, just want to, and I'll tell you why in a minute, mate. I'll just um, have a quick summary because... Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be rushed with uh, Brody Grundy Collingwood. He's ready to go. But they will get Goey back, and that'll in- inject some fire and some enthusiasm and some pace in that team. Because one thing about nine in a row, ten in a row, um, it becomes quite taxing, the mental pressure more than the physical pressure. So Goey's going to be in. I- I'm, I'm, I'm an old believer in the ladder doesn't lie. And people are saying, oh, who have they beat? And if they'd lost seven of those, they'd be 14th and all that sort of thing. They are fourth for a very good reason. They're a much improved side. They've got insatiable belief in each other. They refuse to lay down and they've got great qualities. And these qualities will hold them in good stead in the finals. Um, so they'll continue. So going back to Grundy, they'll go with Cox and Cameron again uh, because that seems to be working nicely for them, right? Uh, just on Port Adelaide selection, Dan Houston concussion yeah. protocol. So he's a big loss to their midfield, which they probably can't really afford. Uh, Lockie Jones, he's been out with that hamstring injury. Uh, he has a test and uh, still issues for Ruckman Scott Lysette. Um, so uh, Dan Houston, we, we've talked a bit about Port Adelaide's uh, midfield perhaps being a bit thin at times. That could prove to be a pivotal uh, well, absentee for them as well. 
Well, you're right, mate. And that and, and with De, with Dugowie coming in, yeah. Look, I think they're going to take the punt with getting Dersma and Fantasia back. They want a bit of brilliance. They want a bit of pace. They want a bit of X factor coming into that side. Um, uh, and so while Houston's a loss, um, the other loss that could could eventuate is a wait and see on Braden Maynard's shoulder. He's a mm. very, very important player, particularly against some of the um, Gray, Rosie, um, maybe Dersma that's down there. So um, Fantasia could be down there. So while uh, Houston's a loss, I would be hoping that uh, Braden Maynard will get up for Collingwood. He's critical. All right. Uh, fair point. Okay. Uh, well, you keep waiting for Collingwood to come unstuck and they keep getting over the line. Port do have a, a habit of coming to Melbourne occasionally and pulling out a a big one. Can they do it again? I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I just I can't tip against the pies, all things considered. I, I'm going for Collingwood to win this one by 26 points. What do you reckon? George Yardas and Marshall have got a, an important role. I'm, I'm loving the, the ruck combination of Dixon and Finlayson. Uh, they took a punt with that and it's coming off. Uh, I, I'm just going at some stage this has to end. Yeah. And, and that's not a great reason for tipping someone. Add the desperation of Port Adelaide. This, Rowan, can we actually say this is officially the last chance? Yeah. Right, good. So I'm going for Port Port in somewhat of an upset, but an understandable upset given uh, the the length of success and um, going to the wire so many times for the pie. So uh, seven points for Port Adelaide in oh, somewhat right. of a somewhat of an upset. Oh, not somewhat of an upset. So it would be a considerable oh. upset. No, oh, yeah, fourth versus yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, now pick up your pen and we'll move oh, on yeah, to, we're, we're, to the to the next Saturday game. We head to the SCG and a Sydney Derby or Derby if you're from WA or, and whatever they call this clash now, but it's Sydney taking on GWS. It's at the SCG. It's at 2.10 p.m. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have installed the Swans as a strong favourite here, as you'd expect, paying $1.18 head-to-head. And GWS, uh, good money for the Giants, $4.90. Now, Sydney had the wobbles there for a little while, but they're looking pretty good again now. They're sixth on the ladder. They've won six of their last eight. Can't say the same for GWS. They are 15th on the ladder with a record of 5-13 and and have lost five of their last six. This is their worst season for some time. Uh, head-to-head, these two, since GWS entered the competition in 2012. Overall, the scoreline is 14-9 Sydney's way. Um, GWS's record at the SCG is pretty good, however. They have actually won their last three visits to this ground uh, and beaten Sydney on every one of those occasions. Do any chance of a what would be a rather large upset happening in this one. 
Well, it depends on uh, how the Giants go about handling the smaller ground because, as we know, Sydney has evolved in this very quick and mobile side that appreciates the space. So the Giants have half a chance of closing them down. I want to ask you a, a question. It's not really without notice. With four weeks to go to the finals and a very healthy list, Rowan, and one of their greatest ever players coming back from major injury... Do you see a role for Ken, for Josh Kennedy either on the bench as a medical sub or forcing his way into the 18? And do they need to give him games on the eve of the finals to get him ready? That's a good question. Well, absolutely, I see a role for him. He's right. uh, He can still be pivotal. And I reckon um, I wouldn't put it beyond the realms of possibility that he plays – uh, you know, different sort of role when he comes back too. You know, he's a, he's a smart player. I don't think he's just a, a midfield workhorse. I, I could see them using him either in defence or attack, uh, you know, use him as a shock trooper at centre bounces. Um, there's lots of things they could do with him just to have that option up their sleeve. And in terms of the, you know, it's a pretty young list, isn't it? There's a lot of young players in that group. So I think every bit of experience would be valuable. So, uh, yeah, it's a really good question for them, but their man management is, uh, well, they don't get much wrong with Swans. I don't reckon they'll get it wrong with him either. So it'll be the right way to go, whatever they do. Uh, and that aside, they haven't really got many man management problems to deal with. Their injury list is short. Peter Adams, um, he's about a week or so away from returning. That gives them uh, uh, more flexibility in terms of their big men as well. So uh, looking good for them. Not so the Giants. They have had a, a long injury list all season. Uh, Perryman is a chance to come back. And uh, they could get Josh Kelly and Matt DeBoer back after concussions as well. So they need all hands on deck if they're any chance of winning this. Uh, played better, I thought, against Carlton. I didn't think they were too bad. Um so, you know, not be on the realms that they could push the Swans here, but the Sydney just has far more to play for, don't they? Well, and, and look, I don't know whether they can, can defend. They're not a quick side, and I don't know whether they can defend um, Sydney's real mobility in their ball movement. Have they got a stopper for Lance Franklin, given the fact that they like Himmelberg to play centre-half back, but to be, you know, his stats are incredible at centre-half back. I bet they wish they had two of them, one for each end. So I'm not sure they can come up with a an absolute stopper. Can Haynes go back and Hines go back and do that role on Lance Franklin? Uh, you mentioned Laddams and Naismith, the two Ruckman going back, but that's allowed Hickey and Reed to really develop as a, a one-two punch in the following division. Yeah, uh, it's been good for them. Well, that's what I talked about with flexibility. You know, Laddams, Laddams was playing good footy before he got injured too. So, um, yeah, nice problems to have when you've got too many people to choose from rather than too few. Uh, yeah, look, like I said, I think um, not necessarily a ground on which we'll see them play their best footy, as you said, but uh, I think they still handle it pretty well. Um, and I think they'll handle the Giants pretty easily in this one. I'm going for Sydney to win this one pretty easily. 36 points for me for the Swans. I think the Giants are going to make it a really physical game. They've been extremely disappointing and mucked up my tips from 
from uh, f- for weeks, Rowan. But uh, Sydney's mobility, pace and versatility up in the forward line. Rampy will go to Green, which will be a good matchup for them. See if he can do that. And for me, it's Sydney by 21 points. You've got to stop tipping with your heart. And in the Giants' case, it's uh, yeah. the Essendon Troika of uh, McVeigh, Heard and Solomon. Oh, I wish it was. I just look at their team and I look at that midfield and say, gee, they've got some depth and some good players in there. And um, they've been disappointing. But they do get those three players back who are going to be important to their midfield depth, Kelly, Perryman and DeBoer. All right. Okay. Uh, Sydney, 21 points for you. Sydney, 36 points for me. Let's move back to Melbourne and the twilight time slot on Saturday. 4.35pm, Marvel Stadium and that pits St Kilda against Hawthorne. Palmerbet, you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. They have the Saints, pretty warm favourites in this one, head-to-head, paying $1.59. Hawthorne. $2.37. Well, is this last chance alone for the Saints? They're ninth with a 10-8 record. They've lost five of their last seven games. They did manage to get a win last week in Perth against West Coast, however. The Hawks, 13th, seven wins, 11 losses. But uh, this turning into their best period of a season. They've won their last three games now. should be pointed out. All three victories coming against the bottom three teams on the ladder. How do these two teams go against each other? Well, the Saints have won the last four clashes against the Hawks. Last time they played, fair while ago, now round four. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, I was looking. I was thinking it was last year. Round four this season, they smashed Hawthorne, that's right, by 69 points at the MCG. That was sort of the start of Hawthorne's downturn. Certainly knocked their confidence around. Uh, Hawthorne at Marvel, uh, they beat Adelaide there a couple of weeks ago, but had lost the previous five games there. St Kilda, for whom it's a home ground, their record this season is five wins and four losses. Uh, plenty of injuries for both teams at the moment. Uh, how do you see this one panning out, Robert? Well, I think the the odds are um, the odds are what they are. I think they're very misleading. I think this is probably the bet of the day if you're having a bet. Um, I'm not promoting it, but uh, it'll be the Hawks for me, and I'll tell you why. They've they've gained great confidence. I know you've highlighted the bottom three teams that they've beaten, but they are settled now. They're settled at both ends of the ground with uh, Scrimshaw and Jeth off halfback. Sicily will do a very, very good job on um, on King, in my opinion. Their rucks with Reeves and McAvoy and with, with Ryder out, a heavy reliance on Marshall to go up against McAvoy and Reeves. If they lose Billings and Gresham, they're even contemplating bringing back Dan Hanabry. Yes, Matt. Yes, Matt. Which will absolutely play into the hands of uh, Hawthorne's pace, in my opinion. The bloke's been out for a long time, been injury prone, and what one or two games back in the uh, in the VFL. Yeah, well, let's just talk personnel for a moment. Um, you mentioned the St Kilda uh, personnel issues. Uh, Gresham ended the game uh, last week on the bench after a knock to his knee. Uh, we're not going to see Ryder again this season. Uh, Hawthorne, um, Jaff, you mentioned, he didn't play last week with some knee soreness, so he's a test. Uh, Shields uh, was concussed in the VFL, so he's out. 
And uh, they've got a, a few out for the rest of the season now. Wingard and Warple, who you think would be in their best 22. Uh, a couple of others too, uh, Frost and Bramble. Uh, those four won't be considered for the last four games. So they are missing a few. That starts to stretch at their depth a bit, I would have thought, uh, Robert. Jath will be important whether he plays oh, well, or not. Well, yeah, I, I think he's – and that's why I mentioned him and Scrimshaw. They're, they're significant to the uh, – to the balance of the Hawthorne side. The, the matchup in the middle between um, uh, Newcomb and Steele is going to be pivotal. And it'll be very interesting. There was a, a, a great move. I've been a little bit negative on the Saints in this one, but there was a great move. Marcus Windhager last week had 23 possessions, and we're just not sure what happened with Tim Kelly. So we can't take anything away from this young kid. And will he go and do a job on Newcomb? Will he do... Uh, O'Meara because St Kilda have landed on something here which is a bit of a balanced midfield. They've usually got ball hunters but now they've found Tim Kelly got two kicks, two handballs and two tackles and and, and it was a marvellous performance from him so I'm giving them a big tick for making that move now. No right, I think Hawthorne will dominate in, in, in the in the centre bounces with McAvoy and Reeves. Uh, St Kilda will have sore players. As I said, um, and against Lewis and Gunston, Lewis was well held last week, so Gunston by Mackay, so Gunston goes and kicks five goals for. I think this game's set up for, for a really explosive and exciting Hawthorne performance. Okay, give us a margin. Uh, 31 points Ooh, in, a, in a real, yeah, in a real, um, yeah, well, according to the odds, that will be a ball over. I can see Hawthorne... Um, Look, the Saints aren't going well. They are where they are for a reason. All right. Well, yeah, no, it all, all makes sense. I'm sticking with St Kilda, though, and uh, decisive for me. I think, don't don't forget, Brett Ratton's inside knowledge of Hawthorne. I think that counts for a bit. Um, they've beaten them the last four times, and they absolutely smashed them at the MCG by 69 points, and that was at a time when Hawthorne had its confidence up and were playing really well. So I, I'm reckoning. Look, I'm only by a whisker, but I reckon the Saints, whilst there is finals hopes on the line, I think they have more to play for. I think they'll get the job done. I'm going for St Kilda by two points. So we've got a few different already. Yeah, three out of four so far. We differ on. Good to see. All right, let's move to Saturday evening. Well, some really big Saturday night games of late and no exception this week. This one is massive. It is down at the Cattery, GMHBA Stadium, 7.25 p.m. Saturday evening and it pits Geelong against the Western Bulldogs. Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Cats, as you would expect, at Geelong Favourites, head-to-head betting, they are paying $1.34. Western Bulldogs offering $3.29. Geelong, first on the ladder, like Collingwood, they have won their last nine games. And 14-4 is their win-loss record. Western Bulldogs are eighth, 10 wins, eight losses. They've won four of their last six now. How do they go down at... Well, first, how do they go against Geelong? Not great. They've lost 15 of their last 17 games against Geelong, going back to 2009. The last three losses, though, have been pretty narrow. 13 points, 5 points, 
and 11 points. How did the Bulldogs go at Cadinia Park? Not that well. They've lost their last 10 there. Their last win was in 2003. That said, however, last year they came as close as they're ever going to without actually winning it. Of course, they were in front when the final siren sounded and that man, Gary Rowan, slotted a great shot from a pretty tight angle after the siren to get the Cats over the line. This should be a great game, Robert. How are you assessing this one? Good, mate. Can you, well, just while I'm talking and doing a couple of points here, can you check on the availability of that injury list for Sam Managola, please? But uh, I'm going to take you straight to the centre bounce because it looks like Reece Stanley will miss the game. I'd like to see them bring in Jonathan Segler, one for one, and I'll tell you why. Because of the versatility of Blixarfs, there is a, you know, people say, oh, well, Blixarfs could go into the ruck. But um, his importance at wing in the back line, in the ruck, and even as a tagging role, is critical. So I'd like to see them do a one-for-one in the ruck. Uh, Segler's come back through the VFL. And um, and I'm, because of what we've spoken about with Bontempelli's uh, wonderful form after a bit of a splat, flat spot, I'm looking for Blixars to tag Marcus Bontempelli. All right. Uh, yeah, he's got to be shut down. He was absolutely sensational for the Dogs against Melbourne. Uh, you asked about Menegola. Well, he's progressed through the concussion protocols and could be available is the official word. So they're hedging oh, yeah. their bets as well. We're only halfway through the week, of course, but uh, I'm sure if they can play him safely, they will because I think that midfield strength and depth will be pretty important for them. They have really revitalised that midfield group, haven't they? There's a, I think this is what we all like about the Cats now compared to the last couple of years. There's not that same sameishness, if you like. They've got a few more strings to their bow and a few more different looks, and I think Atkins uh, in particular. And how good was he in the last quarter against Port Adelaide? I think he had 12 disposals in that last court and probably the most important man in the ground in getting them over the line in what was a really tight game. My boy, Maxie Holmes, just going from strength to strength and he's become, oh, you laugh, Robert, but he's become an no, important... No, I smile because you're right. <laughs> he's, he has become an important part of that midfield group and just they're quicker, they're more dynamic, they've got more flexibility um, and that's not just the case midfield, it's the case all over the ground now, isn't it? Blitzarves can be you know, play on a wing or or ruck or back if they have to. Uh, we've got Stewart coming back. Uh, he's due back, what, one more week, I think, for him? No, he's in. Oh, this he's in. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've tuned out there, sorry. Uh, so massive return for him too. Uh, all guns blazing. You've got to say, you know, like at some stage every year we say it, but I, I reckon the Cats are looking as good as they have uh, this late in the year, as good as they have since winning their last premiership. Uh, I think they're flying, um, and uh, I reckon they get the job done here. What say you? Um, just a couple of issues to finish off with Stuart coming back. This is going to put in – look, um, Ugal Hagen was terrific last week. Norton is a constant threat for them. Um, he's not a problem because he's coming back and they're giving him time. But with Stuart coming back, it does increase the pressure on – Josh Bruce to hit the scoreboard. I can understand why they're um, persevering with him. Confidence coming back from a knee. It's a big comeback, but 
against these blokes, I think he has to hit the scoreboard and be a dangerous player. Otherwise, Tom Stewart's going to have a picnic, despite the fact that he's been out for a month, mate. How many goals for Inzanam this week? Uh, he will have... Uh, he will kick two. Okay, and he's running between the wickets. <laughs> stop it! Stop it! <laughs> uh, no, he's going to. It's going to be a really good test for that forward line. And the, the last one for me, still no Jurea and Daniel for the Dogs. And despite the excellent form of Ed Richards and Bailey Dale, gee, they got their work cut out with a, at ground level with Holmes, your boy Holmes. That's a bit like. Petrocelli G's quick. It is. We can just we, we can say your boy Holmes. Um, gee, at ground level, Stengel, Rowan, Holmes. It's going to be a big ask for blokes that like to attack. Richards and Dale like to attack. Have the dogs got a shutdown bloke like the Raya to handle Stengel? Uh, give us your tip and your margin quickly. Oh yeah, I think they're going to do it quite comfortably by twenty-seven points. Geelong by twenty-seven points. I'm going for yeah. Geelong by eighteen points. Just quickly, I did see some speculation on Twitter during the week that you were going to snot me at one stage yeah. in this podcast. I think what was I, that? I think it was the argument or debate. What do we have that fine no, no, debate I, about? No, I think it's about the ins and arm. Reference, uh, or it could be poking the odd fun at your uh, your your uh, quirks of language, or it could just be that I'm an annoying prick as well. But you know, there you go. <laughs> maybe, now, well, it officially won't happen, folks. Well, no. maybe uh, maybe uh, people speculating can tell me why. I'll be interested to hear and we'll report back. I reckon All it right. was that aggressive debate we had. I've forgotten. I've even forgotten the issue where both of us wouldn't shut up. Oh, well, that goes for the whole show. That's not just that bit. Uh, All right, shut up. All right, uh, let's move on. There's another Saturday night game. It's in Adelaide. Adelaide take on Carlton at Adelaide Oval, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, That's 7 p.m. in Adelaide. Palmavet, head-to-head betting. Uh, You can always get tackle-busting benefits thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the Blues, warm favourites in this one, despite being on the road, $1.47 head-to-head. Carlton, Adelaide offering $2.70. Well, disappointing year for the Crows. They're 16th on the ladder, 5-13. and 13. Now, they've lost their last four games, and they've lost 10 of their last 12. They did start the season okay, but 10 out of 12, that's a pretty extended run of poor form. Carlton, it's been a good year for the Blues. They are seventh on the ladder, 12 and six. Bit up and down over the last couple of months. So, in fact, they've gone loss, win, loss, win over the last eight games now. Will that pattern repeat itself? Uh, Carlton and Adelaide, the Blues have won three of the last four against the Crows. And Carlton at Adelaide Oval, not so good. Zero wins. They are yet to win there, and they've had five losses. Last time they played there was round 22 last year, and that was a smashing at the hands of Port Adelaide by 95 points. Does that uh, have any significance, do you think, Robert? Absolutely it does, because Carlton aren't in the greatest of settled form and are relying very, very heavily on the outstanding form of uh, Doherty and Sarda Croft half-back. Um, uh, you know, like Walsh and Wietering are a bit sore, but we'll get to the line. Uh, the important Hewitt will miss another game. 
That'll give Centrefield another another game. He did very well last week with about 24 possessions and will be will be important for depth come finals. So things that are still missing for Carlton. Um, the the decision on Pitney, are you ready to go into the main ruck, ruck or are they are they happy with De Koning? Uh, they've got Marchbank, Oes all around the mark. But what we just dis- discussed last week, their real strength early was their forward pressure at ground level and the exciting play of their small to medium. They haven't got that back. They're all over the place in that area. So I don't think the Blues are settled. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. To that end, though, uh, and you mentioned one of those guys, but Martin and Oes uh, could be back this weekend, whether that's senior level or BFL level remains to be seen. Um, I think Durden uh, was good for them last week. The other one I thought, you know, had his moments too was uh, McGovern in defence. So him coming back, I think, could, you know, they need to get these guys back sooner than later, don't they, so they can give them a bit of um, game time and get some match fitness into them before this finals campaign. Well, McGovern's been important with Wietering maybe a bit sore. I think he'll play, but... Walker and Fogarty and these blokes up in the forward line aren't exactly out of form. They 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 present a dangerous option. So it's going to come down to um, well, we know what Rory Leeds going to do. His head to head battle with with Cripps should be outstanding. So down the other end of the ground, Butts and Doty, gee, what what a match up with um, the the outstanding form of Kerno and the the other big fella just hasn't hit his straps, has he, Rowan? He's getting a couple, yeah. but. Um, it's a 75-25 reliance at the moment on Kerno. You know, I reckon I've just got a feeling, uh, there's Bruce McAvaney, uh, I've just got a feeling you're going to be able to tell the result of this game by quarter time. And that's because uh, if the Crows are fair income, they will be souped up at the start of this because they were insipid at the start of that game against Sydney. And basically it was all over. I think didn't the Swans kick the first nine goals? I mean, it was all over and they did fight their way back. Um, so credit for that. But it was a meaningless sort of comeback because they were never going to get there. So uh, I reckon they would have been copying a fair bit of stick both internally and via the public and the South Australian media about that. In fact, I saw our boy Kane Corns gave him a whack who doesn't he give a whack, Kane Corns? He just whacks his whole life away, doesn't he? But uh, that's what you have to do when you're a shock jock, and it's worked for him. So well done, Kane. Um, Adelaide, yeah, I reckon you know we're going to get a statement of their intent pretty early. Um, and if they're up around the mark quarter time, well, maybe there is a chance of a boil over. I can't see it. Blues need to keep winning to maintain their top four hopes. Uh, and I think we will see them record their first ever win at Adelaide Oval. In fact, I remember them losing at Adelaide Oval. Here we go. I've gone off on a tangent here. 1972, the Australian Championships final, <laughs> uh, after they beat East Perth in, in the, on the Saturday, and then on the Monday they played North Adelaide, and North Adelaide beat them by a point, and it was a famous South Australian win. I remember watching that game live as a seven-year-old. Anyway. Barry uh, Robron. Yeah, it was, yes. But they have won at uh, Adelaide Oval. They beat East Perth there. And, yes, Barry Robron, what a great player he was for the Roosters. Uh, All right, I'm going for uh, Carlton to win. I'm going for Carlton to win by, let's go, 22 points. Wow. Concerning game, this. But they went to Perth and they were 
pressured by the West Coast Eagles, came away with a very good win. It's another similar challenge, except that the Crows uh, will rebound hard, will make a statement. So uh, this is good stuff for the Blues to face these challenges. I think it's going to be very close, Ron. So I'm going for 17 points by, win, for the mate. Blues. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. With oh. concerns. With concerns. All right. Your concerns are duly noted. Uh, all right, let's talk about Sunday. All right, it's a big round of football, but we're not going to pretend that uh, this one is one of the highlights of it. It is the Coasters, the Gold Coast, as Jared Healy would say, the Gold Coast up against the West Coast at Metricon Stadium, 1.10pm Sunday afternoon, Palmavet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Dave Gold Coast, uh, pretty hot favourites, paying $1.14 head-to-head. West Coast paying $5.75. The Suns, like Port Adelaide, are now two games outside the eight. Those finals chances are diminishing. They are 12th on the ladder with an 8-10 record. And look, for all the improvement and uh, their greater resilience and whatever, the fact remains Gold Coast have now lost four of their last five games. And the one they won didn't win it till after the siren against Richmond, of course. West Coast are 17th on the ladder and have a miserable 2-16 record. How do they go at Metricon Stadium, you ask? Well, maybe you don't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, they played six games at Metricon Stadium in 2020, of course, when we had the hubs and uh, COVID running rampant. They only won two of them. They lost four. They haven't played there since. So it's been uh, over two years now since West Coast last played at Metricon Stadium. These two sides did play each other back in round one. And Gold Coast had a good win there against an injury-depleted West Coast, that victory by 27 points. What happens here, Robert? Uh, just a couple of issues first. I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. Uh, you've spoken about Kane Coons. What he is right about and what he has noticed is the perceived dropping of standards in fitness, in uh, in attitude, and we looked at Tim Kelly last week with that tag. So he's going to be on notice. He, uh, look, the notice might be that they might leave him out. Um, uh, they, they might get Elliot Yo back. I always thought he's one of the most important. But, um, you know, Corns has really highlighted dropping of standards right across the board of the Eagles. So it's going to be very interesting how they travel to this game after what was a very disappointing performance. Um for the Gold Coast, I think they're going to control the forward half of the game through Chole and Casbolt, despite the uh, really the, – the one bloke that stood up last week was Tom Barras. He was in great form. He was fantastic. Uh, the problem for the Gold Coast um, is individual at the moment for me. Uh, Rankin has been uh, – what a wonderful year he's had, but he's been heavily tagged the last two weeks by Starcevic, quite controversially, with Starcevic – facing him, which I thought you weren't allowed to do at stoppages and face a player with your back to the play. And, of course, Kelly for Essen did a very good job. So I'd like to see some creativity from the coaching panel, maybe isolate him at forward or give him a run on the, uh, give him a run on the ball to break up this tag. And Ron Barassi will be very pleased to know he has a new son in Tom Barassi. Did I say Barassi? Yeah, well, it's understandable. But uh, either Barassi or Barass, he is Barass. a serious 
he's a seriously good player. Um, I wonder, you know, I'm reading that uh, West Coast optimistic Nick Natanui will return from knee soreness this week. Uh, I, I've I've got to admit, I thought they'd probably, you know, ship him off for a bit of R and R and ride off this season. Is there much point bringing him back and risking uh, something happened to him in the last month of a season? No, a risk of something happened to him. Um, a, a month of footy—that's a fair bit of footy. If it was two nice. weeks, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be right with you there. Um, so. And the Gold Coast also, what are they going to do with Rory Thompson? He's half a chance to come back. He's had a, a, a terrible run with injury. He was a very, very good centre-half back. So do, do they give him a game for his confidence and to set him up for pre-season? Or do they say, mate, you're pretty important and we'll we'll put you in cotton wool? Yeah, I reckon you just got to play him, don't you? I mean, yeah, how many, he's played, what, handful, a couple of games in what, three seasons or something? It's been ridiculous. Like, he just never plays. Um, I think you've got to get him out there. Every game's a, a bonus for him, really. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a fair point on that, Nui. It's a month, not two weeks. So, I guess you get him, get him back. Uh, boy, have they had some good players out for long periods, though. So. Uh, all right, pretty hard to get too excited about this one, let's be honest. Uh, I think Gold Coast, well will remain mathematically a finals chance by recording a good win in this game. I'm going for Gold Coast to win by 30 points. What say you? Yeah, I'm with you. I think they'll be too physical. Uh, they'll want to rebound. Their their form over the last four or five weeks has been uh, pretty disappointing given they were on the cusp of an entry to the finals and they've dropped off. So they will want to rebound, and I think they'll rebound heavily, and I'm going for a very similar margin of uh, – what did you say? 32, Ron? I said 30. 30. I'll, I'll make it 41. Thank you. All right. Not so, not so similar. Okay. Uh, all right. There is a massive game at the MCG Sunday afternoon. Let's have a chat about it. 3.20 at the MCG Sunday afternoon brings on Richmond against Brisbane. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And uh, the odds head-to-head betting for this game is tight. Richmond, the Tigers, are a favourite. They are paying $1.78. Brisbane, $2.05, though. Richmond have slipped to 10th on the ladder after that draw with Fremantle last week. Their record is nine wins, eight losses, and that draw. They're two points outside the eight. And for all the uh, discussion and whatever, they are—they have only won one of their last five games now. Brisbane are third on the ladder with a 13-5 record, and they, in contrast, have now won three of their last four. Uh, how do Richmond go against Brisbane? Well, they won 15 straight games against Brisbane from 2010 to 2020, but... The Lions have won two of the last three clashes between the clubs. How did Brisbane go at the MCG? Crap. They've lost their last 10 games there. Their last win there was in 2014. They don't play there much at all. Not only have they lost their last 10 there, they have won just two of the last 22 games they've played at the MCG, and that run goes all the way back to 2009, Robert, and I think that is significant to you. 
Well, it is, and it's um, gee, what a, what a game this is! And um, look, a, a couple of points from me: the Lions have got a full deck. They got those four important players back last week. We've discussed the role of Reese Matheson, so I hope he continues to play that unique role he does. But this week they'll have Rich out with um, with protocol, so that for me is a significant loss for them, particularly at the MCG. But they do get Kid and Coleman back. And he's got a great resemblance and a developing player in a similar fashion to Rich. Gibkus should come back. And Martin, we're unsure if Martin will even play again this year. I'd love him to come back for the fact that uh, he, he, he's such a key player going into the finals. I think they get Lynch back and, um, oh, just a side issue. What a wonderful career from Lambert. Yeah, well, I was just going to chip in there. We should have actually covered this off in the news because – I'm a, I've been a oh, massive yeah. rap for this yeah. guy. This guy has been such an important part of Richmond's resurgence and those three flags. Uh, a real hard worker, smart footballer, uh, so underrated during those three flags, but internally they know just how good he is. Um, when I say smart player, I remember I did an interview with him a couple of years ago, Um uh, or probably a few years ago now, but but he, I had a long chat to him about the Tigers' positioning behind the footy, and um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the coaching ranks because he's a really smart player. Um, he's been fantastic for them, and interesting that he's pulled the pin now. But uh, clearly, this chronic hip injury he has just won't allow him to go on. So well done, Kane Lambert. Been a fantastic career. The other one, uh, to Matt Parker returning home to Western Australia and um, uh, just, you know, he struggled with St Kilda as well, just uh, needed to get home to his family. So uh, a couple of list changes, pretty late in the piece for them. But as you said, personnel-wise, Lynch uh, will almost certain to return, you'd think. Um, And he's pretty... uh, Pretty important for him, more than pretty important. He's vitally important for them. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, are we going to see Dusty again? They're saying three to four weeks on that hamstring. You, you got to. The longer it goes on, the more you got to think it's unlikely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I just want to um, support what you said. Uh, we should apologise for not including that. That is a great football story. Like four, five, six drafts from 2009 just kept missing Rowan and became not not just a bits and pieces player because of the the dominance of Rewalt in finals and um, um, uh, Rance and Cochin. He he was as significant as anyone in those premiership wins. So uh, uh, well done, an outstanding career in a day that we're talking about blokes having 300 games, this is one of the best 135-game careers I can remember. Yeah, good call. Uh, Brisbane, massive uh, uh, game for them. Look, I mean, there's a question mark about them in finals and there's a massive question mark about them at the MCG. And uh, if you want to, obviously, you've got to win this year's premiership anyway. You're going to have to win it at the MCG. They need to. They have to win this game. Their strength is their consistency at selection. So apart from Rich, they're going to bring the team they want to bring. Um, they've got a problem with Bolton because he could be the difference. He's going to play midfield and forward. So it's not going to be an opportunity for Stasevic to lock down on one permanent player. So how they handle Bolton is going to be important. Gut field game this for me, importance for Richmond, uh, the record of the Lions. 
I, I just think Richmond get over the line. It's a must win for them, but it must be the Tigers of old, not the Tigers of recent. And I think Richmond will win by um, nine points. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one. I, I just cannot get past Brisbane's record at the MCG and the Tigers. Well, whilst they have only won one of their last five, they have been perilously close to making that, you know, four from five at least. So um, absolute must win for them. Uh, if they lose this one, I don't think they'll be playing finals. They have to get over line. I think they will get over line. I'm going for Richmond by six points which brings us to the final game of round 20. Final game of the weekend sees Essendon take on North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium, 4.40pm Sunday afternoon. Palmer bet where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Bombers, uh, warm favourites, head-to-head betting, paying $1.09. North Melbourne, if you fancy the Roos' chances of making it a third win this season, they are paying $7.50. Well, Essendon, 14th on the ladder, been a really disappointing season. Six wins, 12 losses. They have won four of their last six games. Should be five of uh, the last six games, Robert, after that absolute disaster in the last minute against Collingwood last Sunday. Uh, North Melbourne, last on the ladder, just the two wins, 16 losses. Uh, how these sides look head-to-head? Well, Essendon have won the last seven clashes against North Melbourne now. The Roos' last win over the Bombers was back in 2016. Uh, both of these sides have Marvel Stadium as a home ground. How do they fare there? The Bombers? At the ground this year, four wins and three losses. North Melbourne, both the wins they've had have come at Marvel Stadium. Five losses for the Roos there, though. Uh, Well, Essendon people, some Essendon people, this Essendon person, still pretty uh, angry about what happened last Sunday, Robert. Do you think they can channel that into a dominant performance this week? yeah, they can um, for a couple of reasons. And I, I just want to make a general observation statement. And you, you followed my philosophy about um, allocating uh, time to opposition planning, uh, not so much tags, but run with players and the attention to detail on opposition strengths, which I think has been um, negligent in Essendon over a number of years, probably five, six, seven years. And it's interesting since the buy, this is what Essen have done. They've used Corwell as the run with player with great success. So they actually allocate a player to the key opposition mid. So this week, Corwell's got to go to Davies Uniac, right? They've used Kelly in his rightful position to shut down the most exciting or creative opposition forward. And he's done that with very good success. Gentlemen, uh, didn't touch it last week. Does he go to Zerha? And the final one, the position that has killed Essendon regularly over years is the Daniel Rich, Lockie Whitfield type halfback flanker that sets up. They're now allocating a Hobbs or a Snelling or a Guelphie to that move. So there has been a philosophical change at Essendon since the bye. I haven't seen it for five to seven years. And There's no doubt in my mind this has had a significant, if not the most important, 
um, say in Essendon's turnaround of their form? Because I haven't ever seen that for a long, long time. Very interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, Ben Hobbs. Gee, he's uh, it's been a bit of a slow burn for me, but last few weeks I've been looking at him thinking, wow, you, you, he really has got a future. He's something very mature about the way he approaches his footy. I'm just a bit worried, though. He has got a sore shoulder and he played out that game against Collingwood, but are we certain he's going to get to the line? The other personnel question for Essendon, is uh, Archie Perkins. Surely he comes back into that lineup at uh, the expense of, I don't know, Braden Ham or someone like that, sure. Well, he should have been back last week at the expense of Snelling or someone like that. But Perkins and Massimo D'Ambrosio, they should be back in the side because I think uh, Redmond was coughing up blood, so they've got to be very careful of uh, him landing on his back. Um, there's talk about Langford and um, so and, and young Hobbs. Oh, look, if he's right, you just, you know, they made that blue six weeks ago, Rowan. Remember when they managed him? And 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 he came back in at the last moment and played a great game. I think you've just got to go all the way with these young kids now. Uh, Essendon have got a very good chance. They're, they're going to win this, particularly if North don't bring this pressure. If it's if it's a game of which it's hats, Essendon are going to win this by 12 goals, Ryan. What's the um, doubt on Langford? Did he knock himself out? Oh, well, well, no, did he? Did he hobble off there at one stage? No, he was on right at the last minute, wasn't he? No, I was going right. to – I, I had a gag there ready to no, go. No, don't. No, we're not doing that. Uh, the interesting – finally, the interesting matchup. Larky will be back. So his combination with Zerha is going to um, be – with Larky back, his combination is going to really test Ridley because remember what Collingwood did? They got five goals out of Carmichael and Ash Johnson against uh, Ridley and Laverde. So they're going to have a problem and the and the, and the the battle of the day is obviously going to be right with Mackay, deep out of the forward line. I was just going to say, Ron, yeah, I, was, I was just going to say, did he knock himself out when he tried to spoil Jamie Elliott? I know. Wright versus Mackay matchup's going to be ripper, but uh, if North can't bring the pressure or apply pressure to Essendon, it's going to suit Essendon's game style down to the ground. I still reckon Essendon are going to have a breakout game in terms of a margin and uh, win by 61 points. Um, does that matter? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, that would be so Essendon, wouldn't it, come out and win by 10 goals after blowing the unlosable game last week? I think it's what they should do. It is 14th versus, versus um, and the ladder doesn't lie, folks. The 18th. ladder doesn't lie. I'm well, telling do, you now. Well, it doesn't lie about 14th either. No, uh, no. Oh, I know. I, I yeah, look, I'm, we won't go on about it, but no. uh, I, I'm dead scared of certain people within that club uh, painting this season to be a better year than it has been, and it hasn't been good. It's been a disaster. Can I just ask you something? Why is there a general acceptance that we were going to go back? And if we go back, I picked Essen to improve and to go from eighth to seventh. So, so why why is there general acceptance of um? Oh, this is the year we had to have because it's a club that doesn't um, expect enough of itself, there and you know. it and it and it doesn't embrace pressure of expectation. So the comfort level is, oh, you know, understand. I, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, it drives me. It drives me mad. Oh yeah. Like, like Collingwood are fourth. 
Yep, yep. Uh, we, Gold, <laughs> Gold Coast are gone past us. Hawthorne have gone past us. Adelaide are in front of us. Oh, but this is this is what was going to happen. Yep. It, it's symptomatic of an attitude of I'm comfortable where I am. Yeah, and, well, that's, it, and that's exactly why you're there. That's Essendon for the last 20 years. Uh, all right, but we'll correct. We'll do a special on the bombers in the off season, maybe a series. Uh, all right, so you're saying Essendon 61. I'm saying Essendon 38 points, and that wraps up round 20, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, hope they are fulsome previews for your team's games coming up this weekend. Uh, thanks, as always, to our wonderful podcast partners, Palm and Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly, folks. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you'd like to be a financial supporter of this podcast, you can do so at the ACAST supporter page, and there are links to that wherever you listen to us. Uh, and you can become a footyology patron uh, via the links to Patreon, which are all over the footyology website, footyology.com. .au, some really good reading uh, up there now and coming up uh, over the next couple of days. A really good piece, I said before, by Tom Thomas about Shane Edwards and his 300th game and a really good piece coming up the next couple of days. Uh, in fact, I think that'll be up there later tonight. Uh, an interesting defence of Mark Neal's record as Melbourne coach. Uh, written by Ian Munro, who's um, just written a great book about the uh, demons uh, and the time between their, that long time between their successes. Uh, some other good pieces in the pipeline too. So check out footyology.com.au and become an official Footyology patron via Patreon. We will be back on Sunday to, of course, review all these same games we have just previewed. And uh, we'll catch you then. 